0: Yes.
1: Oh, all my favorite songs just in, in 20 seconds. That was amazing. Hey, everyone. My name is Matt. It's such a, a privilege to be here with you this morning. I'm so glad you guys came. You turned up uh, in the room, outside on the plaza, online. It's just fantastic that we get to gather together for another Sunday. My name is Matt. It's a privilege to be able to share with you this morning to kick off our series called It's Complicated. Okay, so typically... You and I, we don't like things complicated, right? You know, we like things simple. We like things clear. You know, I I personally, I feel like I've got an allergic reaction to complicated things. Okay? So, like, I'm not the guy working on cars. All right? We're working on, you know, mechanic stuff. And I don't don't understand. I think, Tom, I think you've got a a proclivity for this. Do you? Ish, maybe? There's people that are like love working on cars. For me, dude, I'm the guy, it's, you know, the check engine light came on. Uh, Well, I did what every normal person does. I opened the hood and checked the engine, it's still there. (laughs) Now, how do we turn off this light? That, cars, complicated. There was another time where I was like determined. I was like, I'm gonna learn code. and I'm gonna build websites, that's like my future. I'm going to do this. And so I got super fired up. I went and found some tutorials. I probably even paid for these tutorials. And I'm like, all right, here we go, here we go. And seven and a half minutes in, I was like, okay, I'm done. (laughs) Does anyone here do, like, build websites, code, like that stuff? No one else? See, yeah, it's complicated. Oh, I saw the hand. I saw the sneaky hand. Okay. complicated stuff. I just not, for me, I'm allergic to that, Okay, If it takes a lot to figure something out, I'm done. Uh, There was several years ago, do you guys remember the floss dance, whatever thing. Everyone's like into doing, dude, can you floss? Oh my gosh. Like, let's floss. Can you floss? Uh, And I was like, and I'm like, okay, so um, uh, am I doing it right? Is this it? Is this? I can't. It's just complicated. I felt, I just felt dumb. So I stopped. My flossing career ended there. Uh, It actually ended before it started. Uh, We tend to avoid things that are complicated, right? That's the, the natural thing. It's, uh, it's complicated, I'm just going to avoid it. And I think that's fine when it comes to cars, uh, web code, and uh, stupid dance moves. But what about the things in our life that, that really matter? What about the complicated relationships that we have with other people? And I'm not just talking about the random person who cut you off on the road or dropped in on you last time you were surfing. You know, like, no, the, the, the people that are actually close to you. What happens when those relationships get complicated? Is avoidance our only option at that point? Or is there another way? And we believe that there's another way. We believe that there's another way. That's what we want to look at over the next... Uh, several weeks throughout this series. You see, relationships require attention, and they require intention, to be intentional. Relationships are really, they're woven throughout Scripture. Scripture has much to say about relationships. I mean, if you think about it, God himself, he exists in relationship for all eternity. He revealed himself as a God who is, he's a God in relationship. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. I would explain it all to you, but it's a little complicated. Uh, but God, he, he's in relationship. He creates man and says, it's not good for man to be alone. So he creates woman. Now they're in relationship. He says, go, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of relationship. And if you think about it, the gospel in and of itself is is the story of God reconciling and redeeming a, everyone say it, relationship. Good crowd participation. Can do a little better, a little better. Uh, Relationship. It's literally the story that the Bible tells is a story about relationship. It's woven throughout. Throughout Scripture, if you were to take everything, the motif of relationship, out of Scripture, all that you would be left with are the maps. <laughs> That's all that would be left, because relationship is so embedded in every part of Scripture. It's the story that the Bible tells. So a relationship, for us, it's not just one little slice of pie of our lives. Okay, we're going to just, here's my relational slice of the pie. No, relationships really are the crust that permeates all aspects of our life. All aspects of our life are have something to do with relating to others. So they are a big deal, and they can be complicated, right? They can be complicated. Relationships, in many ways, they are a mixed bag. There's such blessing and goodness that come from relationships. I mean, in their healthiest form, relationships really are the way, that, they are the, the avenues of grace that God has placed into our life and he provided us with that we can that we can receive his love through other people and that's rad like that's that's amazing that relationships can be in their healthy form they can be the avenues of grace by which god loves us through other people his love through us to other people it's beautiful but also relationships can be that place where we have experienced our deepest wounding our most painful rejection uh hurt frustration See, they're a mixed bag. So whether it's a friend, a spouse, a parent, a child, a sibling, a boss, or a coworker or a roommate, whatever it may be, chances are we have had complications with them. And guess what? They have had complications with us. It's gone both ways. Especially over the last couple of years, you just think about the t- how the temperature has risen in our relationships. There's just been a lot that we've gone through, a lot of trauma that we've gone through and that has a way of turning up the temperature on relationships and and really bringing about a lot of pain and drama and revealing a lot of things. There's been a lot that we've been through. But guys, let me set the stage here. I want to be honest with you that one of the biggest frustrations that I have with me is this disconnect that I see, this contradiction in my life. You see, I can stand up here. I can make much of God's grace I can preach about God's grace and teach about like and I love it I believe everything I say I do but my confession and this is where I get frustrated with me is that I can be up here I can grace is very much my theology I can make much of it but then relationally and functionally I place people under law I hate seeing that perhaps you do this too Sure, it's not the Old Testament law, but it's all the thou shalt" that we place upon other people, right? It's the the, the thou shalt statements that we expect others to live by. Maybe you relate to some of these. This is just my list. Uh, Thou shalt listen better. Thou shalt be more affectionate. Thou shalt return my text in a timely manner. Thou shalt recognize all that I'm doing. Thou shalt be more organized. Thou shalt apologize first. Thou shalt be a cheerleader for me and affirm me in all that I do. Thou shalt earn more money. Thou shalt do more of this, and thou shalt do less of that. You fill in the blank. We all have that, do we not? We sing and we hear about grace, and then 10 minutes later, on the drive home from church, we're placing one another under law and I see that in my life, I, I hate that, that disconnect. Again, it's not the Old Testament, like 613 laws of the Old Testament, like thou shalt not eat pork or shellfish or whatever it may be. It's not the 613 Old Testament laws, but it's the expectations that we have, the unspoken rules that we live by supposedly and we expect everyone else to live by whether it's our spouse whether it's our friends or whether it's our kids we just have these these expectations and we place them on their their shoulders and i again i hate seeing that just disconnect in me where it's preach grace but practice law you see my ongoing desire for myself and for all of us is that that the new heart that god gave us The new heart that he gave us you see when he saved he saved you he, he ripped out the old and put it in a new heart and gave you his desires and that heart is longing to express itself and so my desire for myself and for all of us is that the new heart that God has given us would increasingly become more and more expressed in daily life more and more expressed in the context of our relationships and here's the thing I truly believe as as a new creation You are in Christ, you are a new creation, and as a new creation you have a new heart that is not content to just sing about and hear about and read about grace. Your new heart desperately craves to express it. It's it's what your heart wants to do. It's the desires that God has given you. So our new heart will always always long to express grace and love to others. And so the question is, where, where do we begin? Where do we begin as we kick off this series? What I want to do is lay the groundwork for every relationship. Every relationship, our, because here's the thing, our starting point matters. Have you ever done that thing where you've been like buttoning your shirt and uh, you start, you know, button, 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 and then at the end of it, it's all weird and messed up. You've got two buttons and no holes. Have you ever done that? You know, it's because chances are you started with the wrong button or the wrong hole. Okay, I do that kind of often. And I know you're thinking, OK, Matt can't floss dance. He can't button up a shirt. Uh, what can this guy do? You know? And I'm here to say, I can do stuff. I can do stuff, OK? Trust me. But just like when you're buttoning up that shirt, that first button, it matters. And it sets up the rest for success. That's why I wear these little Henleys. There's three buttons. Safe. The starting point for our relationships matter. And so what I want to look at today is that starting point for every relationship. But I want to look at the one relationship that sets up the rest. The one relationship that sets up the rest for success. It's our starting point. It's the one relationship that everybody here has. And chances are it's the one relationship that we've all had complications with. And that's our relationship with God. See, before we jump into all of the horizontal relationships, before we look at all the, you know, the different things that we're going to be looking at over the course of this series, it's really important that we start with the vertical. It's really important that we start with the vertical because the vertical will, in many ways, dictate and, and drive the horizontal See, the first and most important button on our relational button-up shirt is, it's our starting point, it's our relationship with God. And for many, it's a very complicated relationship. If you're here today, and they're like, I have a complicated relationship with God. Like, that, welcome. Like, you're in, you're in good company. And the idea is that you can, I mean, even seasons of life where it's like, it things were really good here, and then now feels dry. Now things feel distant. Now I'm not hearing like I used to hear. I mean, wherever we're at, it can be complicated. But you see, what we believe to be true vertically in our relationship with God, it will affect and it will impact the way that we relate to one another horizontally. And so we have to start. We have to start with the vertical. And so what I want to do today is I just want to share a few of my my, uh, vertical complications, okay? You're going to have your list. You know, and I have my list, and here's just a small, a small portion of it. Maybe you can relate to some of these. But these are a few of my vertical complications, okay? I don't want to gossip here, okay, but God and I have had some complications over the years, okay? It's gotten complicated at times. And most of my complications with God are because of the doubts and the questions that I have had and that I feel like I haven't had satisfying answers to. Like, haven't had satisfying answers to. Questions like, Am I loved? And I've been really that, you know, that helpless romantic, proverbially, that helpless romantic with the rose petals. Like, He loves me, He loves me not. He loves me, He loves me not. Kind of depends on the day and how I'm doing, right? Am I loved? Am I accepted? Am I forgiven? I mean, the list could go on and on and on and on. And you could add to that list as well. Here's the thing. If we don't have satisfying answers for these questions, our relationship with God will inevitably be complicated. And so what I want to do is I just want to give you two things here that uh, I think, I believe, will uncomplicate our relationship with God. Two things to uncomplicate our relationship with God. The first thing is a new perspective. You see, as long as so, we need a new perspective. And as long as our, our relationship with God is based on our performance, whether it's good or whether it's bad, if it's based on our performance with God, it will always be complicated. Because that is not the firm foundation that we just sung about our performance for God. No, we need to have the, we need to have the perspective of God's performance for us. And so, we think about it Am I loved? I can answer that based on my performance for God and be completely insecure, or I can always go back to his performance for me, that new perspective, and be anchored and secure and safe. Am I loved? Well, I love what John 15, 13 says. Greater love has no one than this, that a man or that a person will lay down his life for his friends. And that is exactly what Jesus did. He laid down his life on the cross for his friends. He gave his life for me. Okay, there, there's a lot that we could say about that, but we know that his love exceeds the point where he would die for us. Okay, am I accepted? Well, let me ask this question. I mean, it sounds simple, but think about it. Is, does God accept Jesus? I would say, yeah. Like, does God accept Jesus? Oh, of course. I mean, Jesus is God. I mean, but here's the thing. We're told to, to we're invited to believe that Christ is in me, that I'm in Christ, that we are, un- we are united, that we are one in spirit. And so I think it's safe to say, you know, if I'm in Christ and he's in me and, and he's seated at the right hand of God, uh, that if, if he's accepted, then I'm accepted. That I have nothing to fear. I don't have to fear rejection because I'm as loved as Jesus. In 1 John, I love this. He says, this is how love is made complete. 1 John 4. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment, and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. You see, the the, the love of God... That all of the, his love for us is meant to drive out fear. That we would we wouldn't have to wonder. We wouldn't have to wait. Are we accepted? Are we good? Are are we just impending doom? And re, am I going to be rejected? We don't have to wonder. Perfect love drives out fear. Rest in his love. Rest in what he has done. Uh, the other question: Am I forgiven? And we've talked about this. Uh, you know many times here, but forgiveness is one of those things that we, we think that God forgives us when we actually feel sorry. Maybe there's some tears and, oh, God, would you just forgive me? And then if I prove myself to him, that I'm good. Like, he'll finally say, okay, I, I see that you're serious. I forgive you. No, no. God deals in a, in a whole different economy. He says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So you and I could have all the warm fuzzies and all of the tears and all of that and feel really, really bad about what we did, but that's not going to get us more forgiven. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And I love how a guy named Andrew Farley says that. He says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Jesus shed his blood. It is finished. Do the math and celebrate. You can rest in that. So we're not meant to base the the security of our relationship with God on our performance for him and what we're doing for him, but on his performance for us. And again, our relationship gets complicated when we look to what we're doing versus basking in what he has done. So we need a new perspective. That's one thing that will help us uncomplicate our relationship with God. The second thing that we need to uncomplicate our relationship with God is that we desperately need the Holy Spirit's convincing. We need the Holy Spirit's convincing. We need the Spirit to convince us of, of God's love and who we are. That's the role of the Spirit. You see, we can know things, we can hear things. You can hear Ryan, myself, anyone up here talking about grace and talking about God loves you, that's great. You can know it in your head. I would call that lowercase knowing. I have heard it, I, can, I know that, that little factoid. But then there's a capital K knowing. And that capital K knowing happens when the Spirit of God, he convinces you in your heart that you are loved. And it's a moment where you say, oh, 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 now I see. Now I, now I see. It's a different, it's a different knowing. We need the Spirit to do that. Otherwise, we're just going to be sitting here collecting, collecting information, and then hoping that, that that somehow convinces us, and like, I just, you know, we, need, we have to give a nod to, like, we need the Spirit to convince us, and that's what he wants to do. That's his job description. Believe it or not, the Spirit's primary role is not, convict you of sin, Convict you of sin, you filthy person, repent. No. The only thing that comes close to saying that is in, jo- is in John 16, 8, and that uh, the Spirit convicts the world of sin. He wants to convince you of your righteousness. Spirit wants to convince you of who you are. You know, the book of Colossians is where we're going to be for uh, the, the coming weeks in this series. And... The book of Colossians is, is jam-packed with gospel gold, vertical truths, that change everything, the way we relate to one another. I love the way that the book of Colossians is organized. You know, if you look at it, it's you know, four chapters. The first half is very much just soaked in vertical truths of who God is and what he has done, and who you are. And then it pivots into this, how do we live? And, and how do we like, take these truths and express them in everyday life in, our, in the context of our relationships? So the book of Colossians, in and of itself, you know, just the outline of it is, is preaching a sermon that the vertical matters. And so what are some of the truths? I wanna just kinda of do a little survey, a little flyover of Colossians and ask the question, what are the truths that you and I need to be convinced of? What are the, the, the vertical truths that we need to be convinced of by the Spirit? And so if you have your Bibles, you can look with me or look up at the screen. Colossians 1, verses 12 through 14. Let's start there. Kind of comes in mid-sentence and says, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He's brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I mean, that is like, there's so much in there, so much that we could spend so much time talking about. You've been qualified, that you've been rescued. you have been brought in you have redemption for the forgiveness of sins notice that all this stuff is past tense it has, has taken place you see the good news of the gospel is not the good news of what will be if only you get your act together the gospel is the good news of what is what is now because of what christ has done there's a big big difference there Verse 22, it says, Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That's true whether you feel it or not. We live by faith, not by feel. Look at this. We can have faith in this, that he's reconciled. Us to himself we've been brought in to his presence that we are close to him we're not working our way inching our way closer and closer to God we've been brought into his presence we're holy we're blameless and we stand before him without a single fault I love in 127 says that Christ is in you mystery has been revealed it's Christ in you the hope of glory in chapter 2 Verse 9 says, for in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete. Man, much of my life has just been felt, I've just been living with a sense of incompleteness. Unfinished and incomplete. This changes everything. and When the Spirit of God convinces you of this, that changes our relationship vertically and it will bleed out live, um, horizontally. Finally, in uh, chapter 3, in verse 3-1, uh, it says that we've been raised with Christ. And verse 3, we've, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You've died. The old is gone. The new has come. And friends, these are not just these are not just cute little verses to put on coffee mugs. These are life-changing, life-giving truths that will set you free and they will bring your relationship with God out from complicated and into liberating clarity. So we into uncomplicate our relationship with God. We need a, pers- a new perspective. We need to see things through the lens of what God has done for us, not what we need to do for him. And we gauge and measure that our relationship based on on his performance, not ours. And secondly, we need the Spirit to convince us. We need his convincing uh, that we are holy, that we are blameless. Nothing in this created world, nothing in, in the natural realm will tell you that. There's nothing here that will tell you that you're holy and blameless and you're complete. Everything around us is telling you the opposite. And the Spirit of this world is telling you the opposite. And so it, it literally is, it is, it requires the Spirit to, to convince us of these things so that we might live according to this reality. So we need that new perspective. We need the Spirit to convince us. And So maybe you're thinking, okay, this is great, I mean, I, man, I really like that, and the coffee mugs, I have those at home, they're, they're great too, uh, this is fantastic. But. I, how does this actually change things? How does this help me? How does this actually, how, like in the trenches, on the ground, in the trenches of my relationships, how does this actually help? And I want to say that, that has been my question for most of my life. How does the gospel actually change things? How does that, how does that happen? And what I want to do is I want to land on the plane here, but just sharing two things that I've, I've learned, and friends, I am still learning I am still learning. But there's these two, these two different things to help. How does to connect the dots? To connect the dots, this vertical reality with, with the horizontal living. And the first thing is that the vertical we, it fuels, it fuels the horizontal. You see, as the vertical relationship with God becomes settled, as it becomes settled, as settled matter, I mean, think about the horizontal relationships. Think about what that, they start to look like when we live from that reality. You see, it's one thing, it's one thing for, for us to, to come to the place where we can believe our identity, where I can believe, I can believe my identity, I believe in my righteousness, and I'm holy. It's a whole other thing to believe that about the other person who just hurt you, who just wounded you. It's a whole other thing to believe that about the other person. But what happens when we we are anchored in our vertical identity? We can believe it and believe our identity, and we can believe it about the other person. And so it's not just about that person as the enemy. There's something else happening there. There's something else, and we're going to get to that in a second. It's the spirit's job to convince us of these truths for ourselves, and then, but also that we can begin to believe them about one another. And then that you and I, we can begin to relate to one another and speak to one another based on our true selves, our true Christ in me self. That changes the way we relate to one another. So you might be thinking, I don't know. What I'd be thinking is, okay, so that's it. I just believe these things, and then all of a sudden my relationships are just like really awesome. Um, Okay, well I do believe those things, and I'm still struggling. I'm still struggling. What's the problem? Why do I still struggle? And I think a huge thing that we need to learn to do is recognize the opposition here. Recognize the opposition. And I know we're all familiar with, okay, the, the enemy, the devil, okay? Uh, but put, putting the devil aside for a moment, there's two other, I think, opponents that we, we, need to talk, we need to know about. And maybe we've heard about, but we don't really talk a lot about. And that's, the first one is the flesh. In Galatians 5, check this out. Paul writes this. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. Okay, so there's something going on. There's an internal battle. There's an internal struggle going on between flesh and spirit to keep you from doing what it is that you want. And if we've been given a new heart, you know, I believe that God has given us a heart that wants to do what, he, what, he, what he's designed us for. He wants us to walk by the spirit. But there's this internal battle, okay? But what is the flesh? I'd say simply put, the flesh is a strategy, the flesh is a way. It's something that, that I've become accustomed to, uh, to do in order to meet my needs. You know, the flesh is all the habits, the attitudes, uh, the, the, the patterns, all of the unrenewed mindsets that I've, I've, I've leveraged and I've used in order to meet my needs apart from Christ. You see, we came into this world as cute little babies, and we learned pretty quickly how to get our needs met Long before we ever heard about Jesus and what He's done for us, we learned to survive in this world, and we developed habits and patterns and mindsets to get our needs met. And here's the thing: when God saves us, when He rips out the old heart and He puts in a new heart, and you're saved, he, it's not like a, like the Men in Black, like just memory wipe on everything. No, we still take into our brand new life. We take into it. We import into it all of our our habits our patterns of relating the way that we we've learned to get our needs met and guess what that's okay <laughs> that's what the what scripture talks about of us being transformed by the renewing of our mind and so those things are not a an indicator that you are not new that's the the flesh It's like when you get a brand new phone, okay, like a brand new iPhone, you open up that box and it's like so like therapeutic to open up a a new iPhone, right? You're like, oh, this is amazing. And then you open up, you turn on the phone and this is great and it fires up and then all of a sudden it says, like, uh, software uh, update you need. I need a software update? Are you kidding me? I just paid like an arm and a leg for this phone and now I have, it's brand new but I need to do a software update? The thing is, it's it's brand new hardware, but it, the, the software is, is in need of updating. Doesn't make, the, doesn't make the phone any less new at the core. See, so you and I, we, we live our lives getting those software updates. When those vertical truths begin to sink in, when the spirit begins to convince us of those, those things, we're being updated. Our mind is being renewed. It's not making us newer. It's not making us more acceptable to God. It's the renewing of the mind. You see, we're saved. We're made new at the core. We still need our minds. Our minds are going to be, for the rest of our lives, our minds are going to be renewed. But here's the thing. We, have to, we know we have the flesh, but the flesh is not who we are. The flesh is not who we are. This is why it's so important for our, us to know our identity. You see, my flesh... My particular uh, flavor of the flesh, my versions, like I love control and I love to manage the way that people think of me. And so as soon as I feel those things getting threatened, all of a sudden it's like <laughs> DEFCON 5. It's like respond, react. How do, I, how do I manage this person's perception of me over here? How do I keep control of these things over here? Because I need these things to be in control. I need these people to think these things about me because that is what gives me a sense of, of safety, of meaning, significance you see it's the flesh at play but here's the thing and we need to know who we are we need to know that in that moment when we are experiencing this threatening thing like I can say I can stop and be like okay there's something in me that wants to react that wants to keep control that wants to manage this over here wants to do all of these things but that's not who I am you are not the sum total of the thought that enters your head you're a child of God Okay, so we need to be able to call out what's happening, what's going on. The flesh masquerades as the old man, but the old is gone. Okay, I can call it out. That's that, that is not me. I can get at any moment in time. I can choose to walk by the Spirit. I can say that's not me. I I don't. That's not who I am. I don't. I'm not going to choose that. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk by the Spirit. That's the first opponent. Opponent number two is the power of sin. So God, so Jesus dealt with our sins as a verb. He dealt with our sins. There our, are our crimes against him, there our wrongdoings. He dealt with those on the cross. Those are gone forever, forever finished. It's gone separate, as far as the east is from the west. He remembers them no more. They're gone. But there's still the power of capital S, sin, the noun. You could think of them as Mr. Sin. There's still the power of sin that is a defeated foe, but still lurks and runs amok in our life. But we have to know that you are not sin In the same way you have the flesh but you're not the flesh you the power of sin is in you but it's not you you think about a, a splinter you're like you get a splinter and you're like god ah, it's in me it stings it's in you but it's not you or a parasite it's in you but it is not it is not you so in those moments with the power of sin will leverage something like the, you know the, the understanding what the flesh craves and all of that stuff we have to know i am not i am not sin i am not the flesh i'm a child of god i am a, i am in the spirit the spirit is where i am located i am one with god i am in christ and he is in me there's union and so we do have a choice friends We do have a choice. We can walk by the Spirit and bear His fruit, or we can walk by the flesh and be miserable. The choice is ours. And that really is the choice that we are making daily in the trenches of life. We're making that choice. Where am I going to walk, and how am I going to talk? I remember, like, the first job that I had out of high school was uh, working for a golf bag company. Correction. A women's golf bag company don't be jealous and i remember there was a you know i was doing like stuff in the warehouse shipping receiving and then i remember this one time they needed someone to help answer phones and i was like hey I'll answer phones i can do that i'm a nice guy you know so so they put matt on the phones and um 10 minutes later said matt you're not on the phones anymore <laughs> like what's going on like, we're getting some complaints about your california lingo like dude what the heck bro what are you talking about that's so weird. <laughs> Apparently, my, my California lingo wasn't good for business. Uh, but here's the thing. It's where I live. It's, and, where, and where I live, it informs how I talk. Friends, you and I, we've been transferred into the Spirit. He is our location. He is our location. And it's because He is where we're located. Let's walk like it. Let's talk like it. That's the most natural thing for us now. You See our vertical, our location fuels our horizontal living. Ephesians 4, one, Paul wrote this, he says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you've re- received. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling you've received. And so we need to know the opponents, the flesh, the power of sin, and there's a lot that we could say about that, but we need to know that those are, those are functioning. Again, we don't wage war against flesh and blood, flesh in terms of like bodies and people and stuff, but against the unseen. There's things that work, on the unseen. So we need to identify those things and, and to know and be anchored in our identity that we are, again, a child of God, united and fused to Jesus. And it's his life in us that fuels our, our living. And friends, if you think about Christ is in us for a reason. I mean, if it, if it was all of it was, was just hang on until we get to heaven, like, there's no need for the, for the indwelling of, of, of Jesus living in us, okay? He lives in us for a reason. So no matter where we're at, what we're facing, what kind of situation relationally we're facing, we have a go-to place to begin to express these things. He's in us, and he is longing to express himself through us. All right, so Dan, you guys can cruise back up here. So that's the first thing that that, it, that it is important that, that the vertical fuels the horizontal. And secondly, the vertical frees the horizontal. What I mean by that is it frees our horizontal relationships from having to bear the burden of providing for us what only can be found in Christ. I mean, are not most of our horizontal complications, the things that we face together, are not the, the, comp, the, the source of, Of the complications ultimately rooted in like we're trying to get something that we do not believe that we have we're trying to get something from other people that we know we need but we don't believe that we have and so now I have to get all of my affirmation from you I have to get all of my acceptance and love and significance from you and so now my relationships become a place of just getting what I need getting from you what I need instead of being able to rest in what is true about me? I have all of the approval and significance and meaning and all of that. I have, I have more than I need. I I can live to express that. I don't need to live my life trying to get. I'm free to give. So I don't need to seek. I don't need to shop. I don't need to search horizontally for something that I've already received vertically if we're placing that burden upon one another, our relationships get complicated. Our relationships suffer and die because no one here is meant to bear that burden. We can't bear that burden. We can affirm who who one another is and are like vertically, but we can't provide that. We can affirm it. We can call it out, but we can't provide it. Jesus bears that burden, and because of everything that Jesus did for you and I, we have nothing to prove. We have nothing to protect. We are qualified. We're forgiven. We're holy. We are righteous because that we've been given everything that we need in Jesus. We can literally spend our lives giving versus taking. We are free to forgive versus I have to harbor uh, bitterness because Jesus won for us. We're free to lose. And how many of our relationships would change when we gave up the need to win? Well, now you don't have to just use willpower, willpower your, your way to, 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 through that. You're like, Jesus won for me. I'm free to lose. That vertical truth anchors you and it fuels you and it frees you. It releases that person of having to provide, that releases you from the need to win. The vertical frees us to live self-sacrificing lives horizontally. Amen, Doug. <laughs> See, giving love to each other starts with receiving love from God. You cannot give what you do not believe yourself to have received. Our output will always be a reflection of what we believe our input has been. So let me ask, are things complicated with you and God? Are they complicated? If it's not complicated now, maybe it will be in the future. Maybe it has been. Maybe you're in a season of things feel simple, clear. Wherever you're at, let's have that new perspective. Let's always make much of His performance for us versus looking to our performance for Him. And let's open our hearts to the convincing power of the Spirit to convince us of who we are, whose we are. And Lord, that is our prayer this morning. Holy Spirit, we need you to open our eyes, the eyes of our heart, to to receive the truth of your love. So Spirit, I know that that's what you came to do, Jesus said that you would come, you would comfort us, you would remind us of the things that, G- that Jesus said and taught, and you are here to, to convince us, Lord, of our holiness, our righteousness. Again, nothing in this world will be able to tell us those things. God, it, re- it requires you to do your work. And so in this place today, or wherever we are at with you, in our relationship with you, we all have a relationship with you. God, may we Get curious about it. May we ask questions. And Lord, I pray for that new perspective to pervade. God, would you liberate, set the captives free. God, remove the the, the chains and the bondage of of legalism and and religion, everything that has told us of what we need to do for you. May we be set free by hearing of your action, your activity, your accomplishment for us. And we just thank you for this amazing, amazing news. And we look to you, God, to bring that reality, bring that out, and that way it can be expressed in our lives. We love you.